On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls, friends and fam. When Andre Sawaski was only 15 years old, he saw Andre's Vada debut film, A Generation, and realized he wanted to be a filmmaker. He would also go on to become Wada's personal assistant. Later in life, with already three movies under his belt, two incidents would transpire that would inspire his fourth and possibly most famous film. The first thing? Coming home after a period abroad to find his young son home alone with his wife nowhere to be found. The second? A watch of Igmar Bergman's scenes from marriage, which Sawaski felt had no real conclusion. These two things, coupled with a painful divorce and a de facto ban from Poland, would go on to inspire the film that Swaski would often describe as a fairy tale for adults. The movie? Possession. A now famous, or perhaps infamous, psychological drama that veers into horror more and more with each passing minute. Genre-defying and yet labeled a video nasty upon its release, lead actress Isabella Johnny won two Best Actress Awards for her work in the film, one at Cannes and one at Cesar. Catch Possession now, streaming for the first time ever on Shudder. And then listen to our deep dive here, so don't go wandering any subways after grocery shopping. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. GGP. What up? Yeah. We are episode 100 and we're covering Possession. Yes. 1981, which is a film that has been on our list since we started the podcast. Mm -hmm. But as we said in the intro, only started streaming for the first time ever in January of this year, 2023, which is crazy. Because the whole reason the movie became a cult classic is because of the video, home video industry. Because it was basically a box office flop. Mm -hmm. Although people liked it at film festivals. But everyone who made the movie, there is a making of documentary. It's the other side of the wall, I believe is what it's called. It's I found it on YouTube, but I'm sure it's on DVDs of it as well. Basically, everyone who did it said... Either everyone loved it or hated it. No one was in between. So you would think it would have like a better response from audiences. But it was 81. It was literally right before Ronald Reagan was president, elected president of the U.S. You can only uh, imagine what kind of people, uh, what kind of politics and what kind of uh, stuffiness was at least in American cinemas. Well, also, it, you know, when they brought it over here, it was so heavily edited that, like, one-third mm. of the movie was edited out. So It was down to 87 minutes, I think, at yeah, some point. So, like, a, it's already can be a 
pretty confusing movie. Imagine how confusing it must have been to have a large chunk of it also edited yes. out. So that probably didn't help it upon release either. Which, is it just me, or was it not as graphic as you imagined? There's parts of it that's graphic. We should give our trigger warnings, I guess. Yeah, I would say there is there is more than a few, because even just talking about the making of this movie, I feel like we should have a few trigger warnings in place, too. Yes, definitely domestic violence yeah. is a big one. Violence in general. Yeah. There's not really sexual violence. It's just pretty much straight violence yeah there is but there also is like suicide which i mean we don't see the person die from suicide but it's obviously the implications of what's happening in the scene so and there is child abandonment oh child abandonment child child injure and harm yeah communism yeah communism i'm just kidding it's not trigger warning but but you do have this movie does have some political historical context because they Set it in Berlin while it was still divided from where it was the division between East and West Germany. And if I actually wrote down a, a definition from Wikipedia about the Iron Curtain, because the Iron Curtain was, if you didn't know, um, after World War II, basically America and Russia divided Europe into two separate entities. And it was the USSR, the Soviet Republic, basically. And then the westernized states so like we had like the west uh was like nato allies and the east was uh places that are now you know involved in a conflict right now like ukraine and belarus and i think poland was part of that as well and that was something zorowski zorowski had a really hard time with because he was banned from his home country of poland because they were censoring his art. Yeah. And they didn't approve of his message. I think the devil was just, like, banned. Like, yeah. completely. Like, not even edited. And just they banned. paused his release for The Silver. Yeah, the movie that's based on his uncle's book. Yeah. Yeah. There's some political... On the Silver Globe. On sorry. the Silver Globe. There's some political backdrop. And there's some... But, you know, right now, with everything that's going in Ukraine... It's kind of like a similar lead up to the Cold War. Yeah. So Cold War era was interesting and terrifying. Yeah, there's a, literally a quote from Sam Neill I wrote down in his interview with the Independent. It he said during the like the making of this movie, it was a crazy motherfucking surreal time. <laughs> we were in Berlin in the height of the Cold War. It was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And we did one other movie where it takes place in Berlin during the Cold War, but it wasn't filmed during that point, and that was the remake of Suspiria. Yeah. And do you realize, like, how, like, apocalyptic, I can't say. Apocalyptic. Thank you. Apocalyptic everything looks, because it's so sparse. There's not really a lot of people in this movie. Like, even in the bar, on the streets, there's not a lot of people. Because they're right next to the wall. I don't think people wanted to be next to the wall, because, like, you know, people got arrested and stuff all the time, like, for crossing for the wrong reason or because they were spying on each other. There's a feeling of voyeurism, definitely. Like, yeah. it's like, Anna's not the only one being watched here. And there's also a really big juxtaposition between East and West, modern and old, because, like, the apartment that the main character shares, like, this very modern apartment, 
the one the teacher has, very upscale, modern apartment. And then the one that Anna keeps returning to is this rundown, very old, ancient building that looks like it's still damaged from World War II. They remind you of Tar, like Lydia's apartment where she rehearses too. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like the setup, like it goes up the stairs and yeah. it's like that big open room. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is the same building. Ooh, that'd be interesting. It could be. I mean, they filmed it in Berlin. But yeah. It could exist, you know. I don't know. And that was taking place in Berlin, wasn't it? I believe it, it was, yeah. Yeah, because she was the Berlin Orchestra. So, yeah. So, you you never know. Yeah. So, this movie is very infamous. It has a lot of themes. And it has a lot of... It's about a divorce, but it's also about a lot of things. There's a lot of weird themes in it. And yeah. we're just going to have to say spoilers. I mean, I won't spoil the thing that... there was. There's one aspect of this film that I had completely remained in the dark about. Like, I knew it was, like, a woman asked for a divorce, and she goes, she starts acting really erratic, and her husband gets really worried, and, like, all that stuff. I didn't know how bad it got, and I didn't, there's this other twist to it, which the most famous subway scene is actually leading into it, but I didn't know that. I just seen parts of the subway scene, I was like, oh, what is this movie? So, like, I honestly had no idea about it. So, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Does it remind you of Hereditary, but... where you think it's going in one way yeah, and then it goes bit. off the rails, like, completely? It really goes off the rails. Yeah. It starts out as, like, a marital drama. It's kind of like Audition too, mm-hmm. where it's, like, it starts out of a very different movie. Like, at first, everything's very calm, and it's, like, a couple breaking up, and they're trying to be calm and talking to each other. And then it's, like... <laughs> and it gets worse, because, like, then they get really abusive towards each other. And then... It just takes a hard left turn into some creepy crawly shit. And then it gets completely off the rails and just continues until it ends. And you're just like, what did I watch? Yeah. It was a lot. But I mean, like, it's, I would say, I would recommend, mm, it's hard to recommend. Yeah. But I would say, if none of those trigger warnings turned you off. Or, and body horror. I guess we should have said body horror. We're going to say this movie, and I think me and you can agree with this, is that it's definitely going to be split down the middle. There's going to be people yes. who love it. They think it's a masterpiece. And they're going to be people who are like, this is the goofiest shit I've ever seen. Some of, yeah, it borderlines. It's so... Melodramatic. Melodramatic. Well, it's just, they put themselves out there, and they do the thing. But it's one of those things where like sometimes it works really well and other times i was like wait what's happening why are they yelling so much and a lot of yelling i think it's also like it so once again we know this came out in 1981 but living in the year 2023 is so like meme worthy now some of the stuff that happens in this movie we may make some memes about it yeah we may have already sent them but you know when this came out it was probably like oh my god like it was probably horrifying for people to watch her unravel the way she does yeah and i mean it starts off really calm, and then at some point it just takes a hard left turn into they're just yelling at each other constantly. And I was like, nothing's going to get solved if y'all are yelling this much, but okay. And poor um, Bob. And poor Bob. Bob, I first of all, to name a child Bob. Okay, so I do have a cool. cousin whose three-year-old is named Bob. They don't call him Bobby? They, they, call, they call him Bob or Bobby. They interchange okay. it, but he's named after her father. So, who passed away. It was so weird. Like, I don't know. And maybe they're just trying to... Well, the thing is, like, he's Brit, He's new, actually from New Zealand. But I think they're trying to say that... I think he's passing himself off more British. Yeah, he sounds yeah. like he has more of a British he's, accent. Yeah. Sam Neill do, does... Well, so his, he was born in Northern Ireland, and then he grew up in New Zealand. And his parents are... 
New Zealanders and maybe German, like not British. So like, I was like, oh, so he's like an interesting accent. But I guess with that, if none of those triggers scare you, it's a trip. Yeah. It's, and there's a lot of things in this movie that have inspired other movies. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, not irreversible climax. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sequence where uh, Sophia Patella? Is that her name? Mummy girl? She was in The Mummy. She was a lady mummy. Um, <laughs> so I was like, that's the only difference between her and the other mummies was she was a lady. She's a lady mummy. She's a lady mummy. When she goes and loses her brain in that one sequence in climax, I definitely think this was... Yeah, oh, you're talking about, like, the long shot that's yeah, in the, the middle. Yeah, the long shot where yeah, she's, yeah. like... Someone falling. gets lit on she's fire. she's in that forest room. Remember oh. she's in the forest room and she's, like, throwing herself against the wall and yeah. ripping her tights off? Yeah. I'm it, like, that has to have been, like, directly inspired by this. Because I feel like this is something Catherine Away would watch. Oh, yeah, and probably be, like, genius. Yeah, or so. he'd masturbate, too. Sorry, yeah, it, I'm I not mean, trying to offend pro- you, Catherine Away, but you put yourself masturbating. Well, he put himself masturbating in Irreversible yeah. to make it not homophobic so yeah. i don't know what he do this is the only sawaski movie that i'm familiar with but mm-hmm. I, i've already had the feeling reading into interviews like it's he toes that line between being a genius but also maybe abusing his actors a little yeah, bit like, i feel like gasper is probably the safer option and i mean it almost, <laughs> some of the stuff i heard i seen sam neil and isabel talk about in interviews it feels almost like a kubrick situation in the shining yeah and she even said no to female I guess other than his um his last muse, I feel bad the younger woman that he had his third child with. But other than her, I don't think she she he literally was, said that Johnny was like he never worked with multiple actresses in a row. Yeah, like Johnny was the only one. Well, no, no. Um, I just completely blanked. So it was it was his his last partner, and she. I think they had a child together, another son. So, because this was, this movie was loosely based off his divorce from his first wife. Yes. But I just completely blanked. I'm so sorry. I totally. Yeah, the one that was in, I think, Fidelity, the lead actress in Fidelity, I think he did three or four movies with her, and that was his last partner. Yeah, Sophie. Sophie Marceau. Yeah. I will say, it's very interesting, because again, this is 2013, and (laughs) him and the... American writer who helped him write Frederick Tootin. Mm-hmm. They were very, like, anti-communist. Which, I mean, like, that kind of communism, yeah, absolutely. But, like, now I feel like most people are like, well, communism, maybe no. But socialized medicine, agreeable. Yeah. Socialized, you know, social, what we're talking, social nets. Mm-hmm. Social care. There is a term for it, and I'm blanking on it. But Socialism? Well, not, no, but I'm, I mean, like, full-on socialism, yeah. but, like, parts of socialism in, like, a modern society helps, like, having safety nets, like, food stamps oh, okay. and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a good thing for governments, modern governments to do, but, like, back then it was, like, but the communism back then was, like, Soviet Russia communism, which we can see now today because that was the Russia that Vladimir Putin loved, and he was a KGB agent, and that's what he's trying to bring back by, you know, going into Ukraine and maybe the rest of the former Soviet states, which is terrifying. Um, but watching this movie is very interesting to watch how vehemently anti-communist those two men were. And I was like, oh, okay. But as far as the creative team goes, 
We've talked about Andre Zolowski, Zolowski, who did the the other big movie had was The Devil mm-hmm. before this one. Yeah, and that one was very much banned in Poland. Yes, and it was also very much a political statement. Yeah, and then he got a divorce. Yeah, from his first wife, and her name was Mar. Mm. She has an interesting first name. Malgorzada, Malgorzada Brownick. She was an actress, and she was, I believe, in The Devil with him. And she was, she was in a film with him where she was like, I saw in the making of it, she was like giving birth to a monster. I was like, oh, things to come. It's a preview. But they had a child together, and he came home, like we said in the intro, and like the kid was covered in jam, and the mom was nowhere to be seen, and he was like really upset. And it turned out that she wanted a divorce, and it was apparently a very nasty divorce. Yeah. And so he was talking about how, like, the person you loved, like, has turned into a completely different person, which is definitely a theme in this movie. Yeah, it's like equating it to a possession. Yes. It's like, what the fuck happened? And I think anyone who's been through a dissolution of a long-term or very serious relationship has probably had the subtle feeling that this is not the person I fell in love with. What the fuck happened to them? I know I've been in that situation. Yeah. Where you're just like, what the fuck? What is coming out of your mouth right now? I do think it's interesting. This will hit on this and towards the very end of the film. But there's also like a looking glass back too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one way. It's also a reflection on him too by the end of it. Yes. And I did think that was very interesting but also very honest i kind of was afraid it was going to go in a very misogynistic like yeah kind of point of view and then it did kind of reflect on him as well yes so sorry i had to go like his mouth for a second so if it sounds weird but back into andre or andres yeah i heard someone pronounce it as andre suwowski so that's how i phonetically have it written andres. out yeah that's what i'm saying so he did the devil mm-hmm. and then he did the silver globe one mm-hmm. And then they wouldn't even let it release in Poland. Yeah. I don't think it released until, like, decades later, was it? Was that the one that they lost some of the footage for? But no. May have They thought that they had lost the footage, and then surprisingly, a large amount of it actually was saved. Oh, so I don't know if it ever actually got finished. Mm-hmm. So that one was the one where he got de facto banned from his country. And then, but he also did Cosmos, Blue Note... And this movie, like, I just find this funny because of his direction. This movie's called The Most Important Thing, Love. It's like, okay, well, he's married several times, so he must know a lot about it. Gaspar Noé has a movie called Love, too. Yeah, but that's like a (laughs) fuck you in the face of love. Not Not to invalidate the relationship between the three people involved. It's, It's the cum shot. In 3D. That's what everyone talks about, yeah. And the fact that literally even the actors, like, we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. Like, there wasn't really, like, a punt. We were just supposed to fuck on camera. Yeah. It was, oh, like, God. tight. But, um, so we we briefly touched on Frederick Tooten, who is the co-writer of this film. He, he co-wrote, the, I believe, the English part with Andre, because Andre spoke some English at this point. But mostly, I think, Polish and German. So he didn't speak a ton. Of, he does. He did by the time they did the making of in 2013. He it was very. He was very fluent in English. But I think to make sure, sometimes there's like vernacular. Like you can know a foreign language pretty well, but you may not know the little idioms and vernacular. And like you might, 
if you directly like it's really funny when you directly translate things yeah. from one language to another like we've all gotten the fortune cookie things and we're just like oh it's almost it's almost a sentence that makes sense yeah you're like obviously they just google translated this one and printed them off in mass or how about like when you're watching an anime and like the opening <laughs> the opening theme song is translated and you're just like i don't think that's I don't think right. what they're saying the okay i will say the shutter subtitles were weirdly timed in yeah. this movie the whole time i was like if i was hearing impaired and could not hear any of the dialogue i would be missing a ton of stuff in this movie yeah so and i will say i think it's just they talk really fast and there's a lot of like yelling and i think it was just maybe an older film i think is harder to caption because it wasn't pre-made with captions yeah nowadays everyone just you know uploads the script into a program and they're like oh we got it like you can automate captions this one didn't automate super great i'm just gonna say that but frederick tootin was brought in to kind of help um it was actually a female writer at first that he approached and she said i can't do it but hey you should try this frederick guy but he's actually a novelist yeah he didn't really screenwrite much of anything else i think there was like maybe two other things he helped write that weren't of any note but he did write the books The Adventures of Mao on the Long March and Tintin in the New World, which apparently are his two biggest ones. He was an interesting guy. He's from the Bronx. Yeah. I think he's still alive, too. Yeah. He was very interesting in the interview. He was very much like Grandpa from the Bronx. The special effects are... Okay, we'll just say there's a creature in this movie. Yeah. And it is done by Carlo Rambaldi. And he did... Alien, E.T., King Kong, 1976, not yeah. the 30s one, <laughs> and Deep Red, which is in Dario Argento. Wait, yeah, Dario yeah. Argento movie. So he already knew horror. But I think yeah. He did E.T. the next year. Yeah. Like, which is crazy. I Googled him and his first picture was him with the E.T. puppet. And Aww. I was like, that is a very strange uh, coincidence that you did possession and then, like, right afterwards, E.T. And it was also produced. I encourage anyone to watch the making of because she was very interesting. Marie Lore Rare. Um, and she was, like, the lone producer, and they only had, like, a $2.4 million budget. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, in the 70s, but still. Yeah. Like, that's not a big budget. And she said a lot of, like, she kind of had to make him adjust the shooting schedule a lot. She's like, because of based on our budget. But she did produce a lot of films in France and in Germany. And she was very interesting. Like, I was, I'm glad they had a female producer. You know, but I think she also was worried about how he pushed his actors a little bit. Yeah. And then the cinematography was by Bruno Noyden. Noyden? That's Noyden? what I was thinking, too. Who also did Camille Claudel, which is a movie that Johnny was in. Yeah. And his other big movie was Barocco. Barocco? I think Camille Claudel is another one she won the Cesar Award for, mm. too. And I do love the cinematography in this movie. It's definitely, like, a lot of blues. Um, yeah. But it causes, because Isabel and Sam both have blue eyes, and their eyes pop a lot in yeah. this movie. And so, and even... Isabel's eyes look green at one point. It's when she's uh, when she's on her art. Yeah. No, no, sorry. Helen. Helen, her eyes are green. Yeah, I was like, yeah. did they give her contact? They had to have. Because I think, yeah, it looks like in all the pictures of her, her eyes are naturally blue. But yeah, it also makes that red blood pop a lot yeah. more with these blues and grays, too. There's, I will say... Isabel looks really good in the blue light because yeah. I think she has more pink undertones. There's a lot of the movie where Sam Neill looks very ashen. Yeah. And gray. And I'm like, and 
Sam Neill's Dr. Grant, so we all know what he looks like. He's a good-looking man. He is a good-looking man. So I was like, why does he look so gray? But Isabel looks otherworldly in this movie. Yeah. Like, she is so gorgeous, and it's, like, crazy, because you'll see her in one scene, and she'll just be so beautiful. And then you'll see her in another scene, her face twists in such a way, you're just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. So should we do the rundown? Yes. And then we'll really get into spoilers. In Divided Berlin, Covert Spy Mark is devastated by a request for divorce from his wife, Anna, who starts exhibiting strange and increasingly disturbing behavior. Mark begs her to stay, but Anna insists she has found another partner. As the couple becomes increasingly angry and violent towards each other, their young son, Bob, is neglected. But is it just the stress of the dissolution of their marriage that's causing Anna to act like a woman possessed? Or is she truly possessed? Da-da-da! Watch the movie on Shutter and find out. Yes. Or if you happen to have a weird VHS copy of it. That's something I want to see if I can find in oh, stores. Yeah, VHS copy of it. That'd be cool. That is apparently how it really became popular was people were watching it on home video. Because I feel like this movie is so like culty and people are just like, oh, you haven't seen Possession? Oh my God, the subway yeah. scene. I think a lot of like, fans of this movie could also be kind of bad in that way. I that I hate to say that, but they could just yeah. be like, oh, actually, Isabella Jundi invented acting with that subway I scene. feel like there could be a lot of gatekeeping with mm-hmm. this movie. Girl boss, gatekeep, gaslight. Yeah. Which one will you choose to be? <laughs> choose your power. Suwati was a genius. Yeah. So. I guess we should go into the cast. Yes. We've already mentioned Isabella Jean and Johnny as Anna and, Helen. spoilers, Helen. Helen. I guess that's not a spoiler, spoiler. It's pretty quickly resolved that she's not technically the same person. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, spoilers, if we haven't already said it, spoilers, 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 spoilers now. Fun fact, so actually, so she was, um, she played Adele Hugo, which was Victor Hugo's daughter in the 1975 film, The Story of Adele H. H. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, she was the youngest Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. She hey. was 20. And she still, I think, holds third place for the third youngest. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So She's fantastic. And and so Anna is Mark's wife and Bob's mother, and she asks Mark for the divorce. Mm-hmm. By the way, her one of her parents was Algerian, and her other parent was German, mm-hmm. but she was born in Paris. Oh. So she, like, has all this, like, she's, like, a really rich, like, background and heritage. Like, that's so cool. Um, and prior to this film, she had tried to switch to ho- a Hollywood career, but the first movie she was in did not go well at the box Aww. office. Um, so she came back to doing European cinema, and this was one of her first, I think it might have been her first film back. Yeah. And she was already, like, pretty famous. But if you want to see another English film that she was in, the remake of Diabolique mm-hmm. in 1996 with Sharon Stone, she's in that. Camille Claudel, which is a biopic of Camille Claudel. Ishtar, which is an te- uh, infamously terrible movie. The Last Horror Film, and Nosferatu the Vampire. And that's Warner Hartzog's yes. Nosferatu. In addition to the Adele H1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then we have Sam Neill. Oh, yeah. Oh, I do want to mention one more quick oh. fact. So, she won the Best Actress again at Cannes for her performances in Possession and Quartet. So, it was a double... A double honoree because wow. she was in two major movies that year. 
She's fantastic. She is. I mean, she's only 26 when she did this film. This movie is like, I feel like this is one of those movies that you probably should be in your 20s because I think it would wreck your sanity. I think she literally said that, that this was the type of role you could only do while you were young. Yeah. Like, you can kind of throw yourself into it and then, like, 10 years later be like, oh, why the fuck did I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have Sam Neill as Mark, who's Anna's husband and Bob's father. Bob. Jeez, I can't believe they named a child that. Anyways... If you don't know Sam Neill, where were you in the 90s? Mm. Because um, he played Dr. Alan Grant. Dr. Grant! Dr. Grant. Dr. Grant. Um, who was traumatizing children into the 90s with Velociraptor Claws. Um, but he was also in The Piano, which Holly Hunter won an Academy Award for. And Anna Paquin, too. And Anna Paquin. As idiot. Oh, I think she, that's when she beat Isabel Ajani. Right? Oh, no. Because wasn't she... She was a child when she got that. Yeah, and if this... Piano was, was early she 90s. Best, she was best supporting. Yeah, so Piano was early 90s. Helen, uh, the story of Adele H. was 75. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's when Anna Paquin oh, would have yes, been yes, yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry. The, yeah, the actual... Yeah. So Anna Paquin and then so was supporting, but it was actually Quincella Wallace for Beasts of the Southern Wild, who was seven. Oh, she okay. was the, She's been the youngest best actress ever nominated. Oh, itty-bitty baby. Itty-bitty baby girl. That was... No, okay. Kind of older movie now. Not older, but it's like a good five years old. Oh now, right? God, Beast of Seven Wilds I think is eleven years old now. She was actually she was one of the teenagers in that recent um American Horror Stories episode. Oh, oh. yeah. She's she's actually like seventeen, eighteen Isn't that years weird? old. Yeah. Yes. She's good grown. for her though. I know, I love her. Good for you getting older. <laughs> yes. She's and still acting too. Yeah, good for her. Mm-hmm. Um but so he's Jurassic Park the piano. Who's also Merlin and Merlin and Merlin's Apprentice, which I find weird that Sam Neill was it, but okay. But he was also uh Cardinal Woosley in the first couple seasons, the first season of The Tudors. Mm. So he's the Cardinal that gets him to like divorce his first wife. And then eventually I think Henry has him killed. Because then he doesn't agree with Henry anymore. Or Henry doesn't agree with him anymore. Interesting. So that was the first thing I saw him that wasn't Jurassic Park. Saw him in that wasn't Jurassic Park. And I was like, Dr. Grant, what are you doing here? Why are you in a cardinal's robe? What the fuck? What's going on? And then we have Heinz Bennett as Heinrich. Heinrich. We don't get a last name with Heinrich. Um, Did you have... I only had like two things written down. But I love that Heinrich... Is Anna's lover and presumably he's either a filmmaker or a drug dealer or both. Not really sure. Yeah. Um, he's definitely a mama's boy. We do know that. His mother lives with him. Yeah. But he left his wife and child in Cincinnati of all places. I was like, so you're German and you went to, from Germany to America, got married, had a kid. In Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati is a very German town, though. Yeah. So that actually does make sense. If you didn't know, it's the second biggest. Oktoberfest in the world next to Munich, Germany. Yeah. My family's from there. That's it. And I'm actually, I'm weirdly wearing my Cincinnati shirt and I honestly put it on because it was blue, like the movie. Ah. And I didn't think of like, oh. But yeah, hey, look, it's thematic. I knew. I forgot. I couldn't find my Jurassic Park shirt. (laughs) Brady's got her Jurassic Park Clever Girl shirt on today. But I found that funny that he was like, oh yeah, he left his family in Cincinnati. I was like, what? Okay. But he was in The Serpent's Egg in The Last Metro. Yeah, and a bunch of German yes. movies that I was afraid to even try to pronounce the titles of. And then we have, this is funny, so the woman who plays Margie, Glockmeister, funniest German last name ever, Her the actress's name is Margie. 
Sometimes I feel like they do that with films, so they're just, they're just like, like, we'll just name Margie Margie. Yeah, we'll just name Margie Margie. It's definitely a featured role. She's like Anna's quote-unquote best friend, mm-hmm. but she's like that best friend who's a fucking hot mess all the time and is like always wine drunk and you're just like, should Margie be driving? I'm not really sure she should be. And she's supposed to, she seems insufferable to me. Not saying that her fate is okay, like that's not excusable, Yeah, but... She's fucking insufferable. And, like, she, like, breaks her leg and she's being an insufferable bitch. And I'm like, I know I should feel bad for her because she has her leg in a cast. But then she, like, falls backwards and I was like, <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, I'm usually very sympathetic towards people. I feel, I'm most of the time. But I was like, this lady's, and, like, she sees that Mark's miserable. She's like, I love seeing you miserable. I was yeah. like. Why? I feel like, well, maybe she just never thought he was right for her friend. I don't well, maybe, know. Maybe, like, they have, like, sexual tension. That was the other thing. She was, like, coming on to Mark a little bit. Yeah. So is Heinz at some point. Yeah. And I was like, is it going to happen? I thought it was going to happen. It's Germany. Yeah. So they're a lot less, you know, stuffy about sex. So I was like, oh, maybe it's going to happen. Is it going to happen? And then it didn't happen. I was like, well. But I was just curious. Um, but she was in this movie, speaking of not being uptight about sexual things, she's in this movie that I have read about and I really want to see because it's based on a play. It's called The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. Yeah. And it's like this woman has this masochistic relationship with her assistant. And then she falls in love with this other woman and brings her to live with her. And every time her personality changes, she changes her wig oh. in the movie and the play. And then it turns out, like, it, it gets, like, and so it's, like, all of her relationships with, like, the woman she's dating, her female secretary, and then her mother and her daughter and her cousin and, like, all the women in her life. And it sounds, and she's, like, kind of also insufferable. Yeah. But it looks like, it, I've heard of that movie when we were doing, I was reading, I, was, I think it was a documentary on, like, queer cinema, and it came up. And I was like, what? I have never heard of this movie. That sounds fucking fascinating. Um, But it was also, like, in, like, the 70s. So um, I thought that was cool. In a movie called Sherbin Tots, Taunts. Taunts is dance. Yeah. So something dance. And a movie called Martha. And then also a film called Angry Harvest, which was nominated for Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Oh, hey. Yeah. Before it was Best International Film. That's what we now call that award. Yeah. Did it win? No, it did not win, unfortunately. Oh, so, no. so. And finally, uh, oh, two more. Joanna Hofer as Heinrich's mother. Mm-hmm. I only want to mention her because she's a fascinating life story. She fled Nazi-occupied Germany with her husband, Franz Jortner, who was also an actor, in 1924 to escape persecution. I think he was getting attacked or something. Oh, wow. And lived in the U.S. until the end of the war. So she was, she was like a refugee in America for a while. And then she and her husband returned in 1948, and they were, like, ever-present in the Berlin theater scene. That's pretty cool. Um, which is really cool. Uh, she was in a movie called Veronica Voss, which I have heard of, but I have no idea what it's about. She was in a total of 34 films between 1926 and 1982. Dang. So, yeah, so she was in the theater scene, and she was still doing movies, too. The one American film I've heard of that she did was Above Suspicion. It's about yeah. a couple that goes on their honeymoon, but they're actually spying. Yeah. Other spies on their honeymoon, and they're that's what they're above suspicion. And uh-huh. I don't know who she played. I don't think she's not the wife. I don't think, but Fred McMurray's in it from the absent-minded professor. Oh, okay. So the flubber precursor, y'all. Flubber precursor. <laughs> but that's kind of like all the people. That oh, are Bob. Important. I didn't. Oh, and Bob. Sorry, Michael Hogben as Bob. 
their child. That's his only friend. Yeah, this is, I have no yeah. idea. I hope he's doing well. The only people I didn't write down that I feel like I probably meant to and I didn't were the oh, two detectives. I can give a little bit of a rundown on them. So, Carl Dürring as detective. I think that's, I don't think they ever named this detective, right? Yeah, I so don't think Dr. so. So, Dr. Broski in A Clockwork Orange, which was probably his most oh, hey! famous. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, it is a great, it's another it's really, really disturbing, disturbing, but yeah. I love it. Malcolm Dowd, wonderful. Uh, the Boys from Brazil, and then he had over a hundred other acting critics on IMBD, so he's been in a lot of things. Um, Sean Walton as Zimmerman, who is an English playwright best known for the play uh, Desperado Corner. He also played the secretary in one of the segments of Cloud Atlas, so I thought he looked kind of familiar, but I couldn't put my thumb on it, but I love Cloud Atlas, so it makes sense. He also had roles in Elon Flux and Anonymous. Wow. Mm-hmm. So... Most of these people are still working. Yeah. And Johnny is, is still doing movies right now. Yeah. Like, she just recently was in one, like, last year, I think. So, mm-hmm. good for her. I like when we go back and we're like, oh, hey, there we go. Yeah. So, do we want... Okay, I have questions. I wrote okay. down questions and themes. Do we want to go over the two... Okay, there's three scenes that completely surprised me that I didn't think about. One of them I forgot to write down, but I know exactly what it is. One... The subway scene. Yeah. That's the scene everyone talks about when they talk about this movie. Yeah. Two, the restaurant scene. Oh, yeah. That was fucked. And three, <laughs> the tentacle porn scene, which I did not expect. This is the thing I didn't know happened in this movie. I had no clue. Yeah. And the, so the first, the new box art that has the tentacles going up the yeah. topless Yeah, and like woman, across her breast. Yeah. Yeah. I that just came out recently. I think that came out with like the newer releases, I yeah. think. Because like I've always seen the one where it's just a woman kneeling and it's like her naked back. Yeah. And I was like, that's the possession box. And then I saw this new box art and I was like, is it cause she's possessed by the devil? I didn't realize there were literal tentacles. And I thought it was almost like snaky looking. Yeah. Like almost like a Medusa type. Yeah, thing? I thought it was like Medusa or yeah. like because you know Satan was a snake in the Bible at first. I was like, oh, maybe it's like Satan possessing her. And then I was like, oh, no, this isn't like, it's not like a possession movie. Yeah. Like, it's not like, it is, it is and it isn't. Yeah. It is and it isn't, but it's not like, it's not like the exorcist kind of possession. Yeah. I I love it because once again, you know, we talk about these movies that can be very literary in the way they're written. Mm-hmm. Like you could almost imagine reading this as a book, and it yes. would still work. I may very have well. preferred it read because oh. there's a lot of interconnection that's missing. Yeah, and it and it's it, I'm like I feel like I I would love this movie if it was just woven a little neater. But maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely it. It toes the line between like surrealism and avant-garde. A yeah. Lot. So because yeah. even like some of the times now, granted, I know like for example, Isabel, this was not her first language, and I applaud her on that because she still does beautiful. Yeah. But it's almost like the way they say the dialogue is a little weird in some yeah. points, and the way they say certain lines, it's almost like it doesn't seem right. Like there's a disconnect. Well, so you have two writers. You have yeah. someone writing in. Polish or German, I'm not sure what he yeah. originally wrote it as. And then an American novelist yeah. translating who really hadn't done a lot of screenwriting. And screenwriting is different than writing a novel. Yeah. Because like you have to you have to write down for the actors everything that's going through the actor's head and imply it without having that extra bit of like explanation in a paragraph beforehand yeah and it's hard it's really hard to screenwrite or like playwright 
um, without having just piles and piles of extra direction and telling them how to feel about certain moments. I kept thinking, and while I was watching this with Taylor, too, we kept saying, is this a dream? Like, there's just certain scenes, I'm like, is this a dream? Like, are they about to yeah. wake up any moment? There's only one that seems like it might actually be a dream, but I don't think it was. Um, yeah. But the restaurant scene mm -hmm. was very early on. I did not expect it to take me by. But basically, they start having a calm conversation about their divorce. And then it goes fucking off. And then they it's, they immediately start screaming at each other. And see, for me, the blocking, like, it's the, the first thing that, that you're just like, it's not calm. Because she literally walks in in a hurry and she flings herself down in the chair. And they're not, they're sitting yeah. next to each other, He's but they're not. He's sitting at a table in the corner yeah. that has, like, a bench, a triangle, like, a triangle, 90-degree angle bench sitting them. And instead of sitting in the chair across from him, she, like, purposefully sits at the next table that's like, she doesn't want to look him. at him. Yeah, she's disgusted by him. And the thing is, like, he says, like, well, what happened? She won't tell him why. He's yeah. like, I just can't stand you anymore. I'm like, well, that is very extreme. Now, we do know that Mark is a spy in the Cold War, and he has just finished a job, so he can now be home with his family, but he's been away a lot. So it's like, oh, did, did the being away cause all this? Or, you know, she's having an affair with Heinz, like... Is her having an affair causing him to go? I'm like, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. It seems like he was away a lot and she got lonely. But then there's a whole other extra thing. Yeah. But they start, not only do they start fighting and yelling at each other in the restaurant, which is the melodramatic part, but they just start throwing furniture around in like yeah. a restaurant. There's other patrons. And I was like, what is happening? People do, should not act like this. And there's only like two other patrons, and it seems like they just barely back up. And then finally, it's like when he starts to get really violent, like a bunch of men tackle him. Yeah. But it's like he really has to get violent for that, them even to interfere with that. But I was already irritated with Mark there in this scene because he mentions he doesn't even want to see Bob again. He's yeah. like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be a Bob. I think it's an empty life. threat. Yeah, I, I think it is, but still, like, I'm like, you, I don't know, something about piece of shit. That he has keeps that trying get to get me. her to stay. Yeah. And he keeps asking her, like, well, if I did this, would you stay? If I did this, would you stay? And it's like, dude, just give up the ghost. Yeah. Like, and then that sounds really mean, but sometimes, like... Trying to make something work that's not going to work is just going to cause everybody heartache. So just, it's okay to disillusion your marriage. And that sounds awful. Like, I don't, I don't ever want to go through that process again of dissolving a long-term relationship because it fucking sucks. But, like, in the long term, I've been lucky enough to be like, I'm way happier now. Yeah. You know, but it's, at the time, you don't know what awaits you on the other side. So yeah. you're very scared of them leaving but that means you're in a codependent relationship and that's not good if you can't have a life outside of your relationship if you can't go on a trip with your friends or just go to dinner with your friends without your partner that's a bad sign yeah and i think like it feels like may i don't know what sparked her to have her affair but it feels like definitely once again we come back to there's not a lot of people around she's isolated with just her mm -hmm. child and you know it's not an adult it's her child yeah and you just kind of wonder like how long and she's only she's got been. margie who's just again wine trunk all also, the time like so superficial she's but, very superficial like yeah. she, and i i feel bad <laughs> Poor woman, like, gets murdered. Yeah. And it's, like, really bloody. And then her body gets, like, fucked with, like, they put her in a trunk and then the car wrecks. And then it oh, falls God. out of the trunk. That was, like, that was something that wasn't supposed to be funny that ended up being I funny. was like, oh, no, Marge. Because the car gets hit and her body, like, literally shoots out. It doesn't even, like, was, accidentally grow. I think it was out. supposed like, to be funny. I think yeah. Was, I, don't, I think Margie is supposed to be the comic relief. You're supposed Maybe. to not like her. Oh, my like, God. Like, she just, like, does a pratfall with her cast on. And I was like... 
<laughs> that had to be in the blocking. But that's all she has. She doesn't really have a lot of friends. So she starts hanging off high and she's a dance teacher, but she's quit her job. And so she, she's not working. She's sitting at home by herself with the only, only one other person that she talks to. And that's just not a good thing. I think we all learned during quarantine. Yeah. But staying at home 24 seven, unless you are an agoraphobic person. It's not the healthiest thing for you. I will say it's very interesting I do a flashback to her teaching ballet because she almost seems like abusive in that scene. Yeah, but I think that's her starting to go crazy. Yeah, like you think that's like the beginning. Yeah. And I couldn't I can't remember if it ever gives context to if she's a stay at home mom with Bob. No, she quit her job a she year before. She quit her job a year okay, before. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So but I think it was when her breaking. husband was gone. Yeah. And so it's and but Heinz is filming her during that dance thing. Yeah. So I think I don't know. Like, the, the the timeline's a little weird. But so, but that will lead us into the subway sequence. So Anna is telling Mark how they got all fucked up and what happened and why she keeps sleeping. And she says that she basically had a mental breakdown and she miscarried something. Yeah. She calls it a miscarriage of faith. Yes. But it is, she's physically expelling something from her body. Yeah, it's something. It is... And again, maybe it's her imagination. We don't really know. Because it, it does cut right before she starts actually physically expelling. It doesn't cut. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it cuts and then she's sitting there expelling. Now, Andre said she's, he was like, pardon my word. It might not have been Andre, but someone of the production crew in that interview was like, forgive me. Uh, she's shitting something out. She's expelling something from her body. But basically, that's the sequence everyone sees is she's like carrying groceries home. And then she just starts flinging them around and she just loses it. There's like a very purposeful scene where she's looking up at a crucifix and she starts whimpering. Like, it's like, and you can't figure out, like, is she scared? And she's like rocking, but she's not doing the overdone crazy person rock that people who don't act and I don't even want to say crazy person because, like, we all know mental illness. We all have mental illness and that's normal. And go see a therapist. It's perfectly great. But, like, you know, there's that stereotypical thing that people do when they're playing someone who has mental illness like oh we're gonna rock back and forth yeah in our chair I'm like people don't do that very often i don't know why someone thought that was a thing but she's not like that kind of rocking it seems like she's actually like she's actually acting y'all she actually did some fucking research and yeah. she also had some mental health struggles as well yeah she the actress did. so she i think recognizes it there's only one part where she's like she's doing this like almost dance thing where she's yeah. like and she's like, oh, you guys can't see me, but like she's got her arms up and she's kind of like collapsing her chest back and forth. Yeah. And I mean, she's a dancer, so maybe it makes sense. But for me, I was kind of like, what is happening? That part goes on a little too long for yeah. me. But the rest of it is very good. And then she's literally like squatting on the floor. That's the most haunting Of the scene. subway. Yeah. And screaming. And she does sound like she's like passing something out of her body. Yeah, because it's like we see like blood just gushes down her face out of her ears and it collects mm-hmm. in a pool around like her like and she's like like vomiting yeah at the same time and there's the milk because she spilled all this milk so it's like the milk and the blood and it's like i've seen some critics comment it's like it's maybe milk blood come like there's all these like different things that are possibly coming out of her body i don't know if it's come i think a lot of people (laughs) i think a lot of people really and this movie is a come come from well that's well if she's literally because my thing is it's like okay this is not the official rating, but let's say in that moment she's miscarrying the monster that we see. Yeah. Well, if the monster is a manifestation of her guilt over her infidelity, then, like, maybe, 
Looks comes in there. I don't know. Like, but, you but know. then it eventually becomes a clone of her husband. So I'm like, he. But he was gone. I was. That's what I was see, like. But see, I think I it's know. like her. I think the it's like a manifestation of her guilt, but it's also like a comfort. Like maybe like I okay. I don't know what I'm really trying to say. So like, bear with me. But like, okay, so she's guilty about her infidelity, but then the monster turns into this perfect version of Mark that's always yes. there. And that's the thing, Mark is always away, but this Mark is always there. Yes. He fulfills, the the monster Mark fulfills her every sexual desire. You know, she yeah. even says that he was up all night making love to me the night before. So it's kind of like... But she also <sighs> birthed it, so is it incest? Well, I don't, I don't, it's, but is it like, it's not birthed from like, Christian's birthed from like... Did she miscarry her Heinrich's yeah. monster child? But then it wouldn't have killed, it wouldn't have attacked, or it, I think it would have liked Heinrich more. I think she miscarried her husband something. Yeah. Because that's know. the thing, we they refer to this as a miscarriage, and and she even says afterwards, she's like, it was a miscarriage of faith, but we don't really know if she's actually miscarried a child Because she's not. saying now she has to take care of Chance, and I'm yeah. like, oh, so she's now being unfaithful and she's taking a chance on herself. Because at yeah. some point, before we know about the creature and the infidelity, she's like, I'm thinking about me, or I guess we know about the infidelity, but not yeah. the creature. And I'm like... Well, yeah, think about yourself. Like, that was really hard. Like, the 80s was a time where, you know, the 70s people were start women were starting to work, you know, again, outside of the house, and it was becoming more popular. But the 80s, like, people were trying to go back to traditional, quote-unquote, stuff, too. Kind of like now, where, like, women have been out and about, and now they're trying to, you know, relinquish our rights. Um, because they're like, eh, you want to be barefoot in the kitchen? I'm like, I don't. Actually. But anyways, so like, yeah, think for yourself, girl. But then I'm like, oh, wait, I don't know if you should have thought for yourself because this is fucked up. Yeah. But again, again, I'm not trying to kink shame anyone. It's the like, is it incest? Is it her baby? Is it just her sex toy? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like we don't really, it cuts away. So we see like this pool of like blood and milk and other body fluid. But you don't really fluid. see anything else. Yeah, we don't see like a baby or yeah. anything. It's like she pulls it out and she's like, my baby. Yeah. So I don't know. And I mean, we don't even know, like we we don't know enough about the monster to even know where it really came from. But yeah. that's where it just almost feels like there's some correlation between yeah. it and that scene. And there's this whole doppelgangers angle because so... She so Johnny also plays Helen, who is Bob's teacher, and she looks just and she, you know she looks exactly like Anna. She just has lighter hair in a braid, yeah, and green eyes. And but she's dressed all in white. But she's, she's dressed all in angel. white. And as soon as she comes over to their house to talk about Bob, she starts doing the dishes. Yeah, and she starts cleaning up their house like yeah. the perfect housewife. And she's so soft spoken. Yes, she's like the perfect. Which again, I'm like, I'm not saying again. I'm not a traditional but it's like that's we really do see like mark with like helen and it's like you know this woman who he wanted anna to be which is like this housewife and this nurturing mother figure right. but then we also see the monster play the perfect mark to yeah anna and heinz is encouraging anna to like be herself and be crazy he's like you know anna's crazy and i don't think mark has seen that side of anna and he's very you know, I think it's like one of those people who like they meet someone who is very unique and maybe eccentric and they just fall in infatuation with them. Like, oh, this person's so cool and different. And like they get into like head over heels with them very quickly. And then like the reality of the relationship sets them like, oh, they're not going to change. They're going to stay this eccentric. 
Because, like, they're thinking, oh, well, we, we'll get married and they'll settle down. Like, some people don't want to settle down. They, they still want to live their life even if they're married and have a kid. Like, they still want to have bodily autonomy. Yeah. And I keep thinking about early in the movie. So, we see, you know, going back to, we see a scene where Bob has jam smeared all over him and he's been alone yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And there's other scenes where her behavior is so erratic and so um, terrifying that yeah. it's almost like you see her. We see the infamous scene where she cuts her own neck with like an electric oh knife. Oh, my God. And all that I can think, I would be like, at that point, I'd be like, okay, I have to get my child out of this situation. Wait, he never calls the police. Yeah. He never calls like a doctor or a mental health care person. The only people he calls is like a spy to go spy on her. Yeah. Is a private private investigator. And it's like, oh, I will say, I do want to point out in the private investigator thing. Oh, there's also, like, oh, before we go that, there's also, like, this fear of, d- of dating your ex, too. Yeah. Because she dates Heinz, who's very different from him. And Heinz is, like, this big macho guy who maybe is bisexual, but we're not really sure. His shirt never is buttoned. Yeah. Is, well, he just, like, there's that one point where it looks like he he's, like, I feel your pain, too, Mark. And he, like, grabs his hands and, like, yeah. wraps them around his waist. Yeah. And I thought for a second there was going to be a kiss. And then, like, Mark starts choking. And I was like, ah, dang it. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. But I think Heinz would go there. So, yeah. g- good for Heinz. But then she ends up still dating her ex because she just makes the monster... And she kills, she basically helps kill Heinz. Yeah. She and Mark together. Like, she stabs him, and then Mark goes, finds him in the bathroom, and fakes his, like, suicide, basically. Yeah. Or accidental death. And that's where, at this point, I'm like, oh, wait, no, Mark is just as fucking Mark, crazy well, as she is. he was fucking crazy when he kept, I, I didn't think Mark was going to be abusive. Like, I don't think he was prior. Oh, because he just slaps her and slaps her. And, and you know, like that's she never real. has. That's, that's real. He really, because that's something that literally uh, Sawalski asked him to do. He's like, I need you to smack her. He's like, I can't do that. I've never laid my hands on somebody. And it was actually Isabel that was like, just do it for, it's just a scene. Just do it's it. So he's really I don't know where the her. blood was coming from, though. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see that. If I, I don't think it was actually her blood or her prey. It that wasn't just because it just is so bright looking. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he really did hit her in that scene. Yeah. And he said that's the worst thing he ever had to do on film. So. Well, I'm glad he didn't have to slap anybody in Jurassic Park. Oh, my God. Just a just fucking raptor. I love that he's in both <laughs> these movies now that I've seen this movie. Yeah. But, so he goes to these private investigators and the... Uh, one of the detectives is sent and he sees the tentacle creature and uh, Anna kills him. Yeah. And then... And at that point, it doesn't even look remotely human. It's like, no, oh. it's, it's like gross. Yeah. And just kind of a thing in a wall. And then the other detective, the guy that's like the head of the agency... Zimmerman. Zimmerman um, comes to Mark and he's like, I really need... I, I haven't heard from him in like 24 hours. And at first it's kind of like, well, why are you so worried? And then he's like, oh, because I live with him. He's he's my partner and you're he's i think he says i love him and yeah. you're like oh no they had like an actual healthy relationship and also i'm like props on german slash polish well i guess not polish cinema but german cinema for being open in the 80s yeah good for you it's cute but then it's really sad because he goes back and then he sees his dead body and then he also sees the tentacle creature and then she shoots him yeah and Zimmerman was nice yeah, and that was, like, really, I mean, that, I mean, I guess at that point you knew that he probably wasn't long for this world because yeah. he saw the creature and his, his dead lover, but still, it was a little shocking when she shot him, and how many yeah. times she shot him, too, so. It's almost like, 
it does seem like she's possessed when she kills people. Yeah. Because it's almost like she stops being Anna, and she's very frantic when she's not killing people. Yeah. But then, like, she's at the apartment with the tentacle creature, and she's, like, very slow-moving, and she's just like, oh, yeah, he's really tired. He was making love to me all night, and blah, blah, blah. And she's just, like, very, like, she's in a trance, almost. And, like, whenever she kills somebody, she doesn't really, like, seem to, like, she thinks about it, but it's almost like she does it in a way where she's, it's almost robotic. Oh, but she also hacks them up and puts them in her fridge. She does. Yeah. And that's the thing, because... And Hines sees it. When when Mark sees it, he's literally, like, laughing. He goes and kills Hines, essentially. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, shit, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing now. And then she goes to their house. And then she stabbed Margie, because Margie saw the creature. Yeah. And then they have sex. And then Bob walks in when her, like, they're both half naked. I was like, well, I guess maybe I'm And she's like, oh, the creature is here. So I'm like, where the fuck is the creature and why is it in the house with your child? Well, they're just friends. It's fine. But then I was like, oh, good. One good thing happened. Mark takes Bob to Helen's house. Yeah. I was like, oh, good. Bob's going to be okay. Great. Well, then he finally sees the creature and she's, it's just fucking her. And she just keeps saying almost, almost. I'm like, almost what? You're at orgasm? What's yeah. happening? I don't understand what's happening. And that part, there's a lot of tentacles. And it is it is almost a human. It's kind of starting to look like Mark. And yeah. like, okay. But then there's, a, then there's a whole thing where the spy people come back. And I was like, I didn't expect that. But yeah. basically, the end of the movie wraps up where, like, they basically, Mark gets shot after he meets his doppelganger by the spies. And then... And the doppelganger looks just like him, except it has brown eyes. Yes. And then she gets shot, and then they're both dying on these stairs, and they kiss, and then she shoots herself in the spine, which instantly kills her. That was weird. Yeah. Oh, she shoots herself, and then it shoots... She does it in the back, so it shoots for him, too. Oh, that's why. Yeah. But so... But she's just shooting a weird place, but... She was already injured, so maybe that's it's all It's very awkward did. looking, but I understand what, what she was trying to offer yeah. them both at the same time. Which, once again, poor Bob. Like, poor Bob. But then you're like, okay, well, Bob saw the teacher's house. He's going to be fine. Well, and the teacher, to our knowledge, isn't a clone. Yeah. She just happens to look like Anna. And then the creature, who now looks like uh, Mark, is like at the door, at the her glass front door, like almost like clawing at it. It's yeah. very weird. It reminded me of the tall man in It Follows. Yeah. When he comes to the doorway, like that's how he's like bent and you're like, what the fuck? And Bob is like, don't open it, don't open it. And then she opens it and Bob runs into the bathtub and drowns, drowns himself. himself. Yeah. So that's probably the worst part of child abuse. Yeah, and that's the thing. I thought it was weird because earlier in the movie, Bob keeps making these, like, uh, ambulance sounds. He's like, wee, wee, wee. And at the end of the movie, you hear, like, these roaring ambulance noises. Because it's nuclear war. Yeah. Because apparently uh, Mark was really, really involved in avoiding nuclear war and I guess him not doing his job cause nuclear war Oof. but again it was the cold war and that's what everyone was afraid of all the time so yeah. i get that yeah but i was like oh i didn't expect it to get all nuclear war on us because but- it literally ends with like you see helen's face and her face is like lit up almost like a freaking ring light is just yeah. shining on it so you know i do have a theory though like i think like the whole like traditional marriage thing because mark's trying to get her to just stay at home and he's not, I don't think he's doing it because he's an asshole. I think he just thinks that's how she'll be happy. 
I think it's just cursed to fail. Yep. I think it's uneven and creates a power imbalance. And I think if Mark could just change jobs and he could be an equal parent to his child and equal spouse, we could have avoided this whole mess. There would be no tentacle creatures, nothing at all. There'd be no movie, though. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> but, but no, I, I get it. Yeah, it's definitely a failed partnership and a fell. It's a miscommunication of what each spouse needs. Yes. It's all, all the things you shouldn't do in a marriage. Yeah. Basically. I mean, it shouldn't be, it, it should be an equal partnership, I think. Even if you don't legally get married, like if you have a partnership, it should be equal. It should be some give and take. I don't know. But this is not like, and I think like they're trying to do that, but it's like a little, it's too little too late. Like yeah. Mark's like, but I'm home now. It's like, but you haven't been home for years. Bob's like eight. Yeah. And you've said you've barely been home. And it's like, the thing is, at some point, both of them are really good parents to Bob. Yeah. But then they're also really shitty parents to Bob. And it's just like, it's also like the whole dragging your kid down with your divorce, which happens to a lot of kids. And it's, and then me, or kids that get like drugged into their parents' divorces and like they're like, hey, I need you to testify against mom. Yeah. You know, it's, that's really hard on children. It's really, well, you know, is that too personal? No, it's okay. It's I know okay. it's happened to a lot of people I know where people are like, hey. It's funny because most of my, I'm a, I'm a product of divorce times two. And then most of my friends, actually, their parents are still married. So I'm just like, so, but you know, no, it's okay. No, I, uh, incidentally, I didn't, um, I didn't ever have to testify during either, against either of my parents, but. There was a group at school called uh, the Banana Splits because it was like when the Banana Splits and it was a group for children of divorced parents. It's a very sunshiny name. Yeah, right. That. When the Banana Splits. And I was like stoked because you got to go to Chuck E. Cheese and stuff, like field trips. Oh, no. Great. Uh, but uh, I was like, they were asking me some questions. They're like, so, you know, how's mom and dad? And I was like, you know, they got in a fight last weekend. Mom busted something over dad's head. And I just saw this lady go. What? And this lady, like, her eyes got really, really big, and she started writing it down. So, like, it's funny, because as of now, it's the dark humor that you, yeah. you look back and you're like, oh, that's funny, but it's actually really traumatic. Um, I know, that's but, like when someone starts telling you a story, and you're like, ah, I'm with you, and then you're like, oh, no, yeah. honey, cool. <laughs> have you been to therapy yet? Yeah. Brittany's gone to therapy. She's yeah. good. But, um, but, yeah, my thing is, is that my mom and dad, you know, they loved each other. They loved each other very much. They just could not live together. And I think that's I think, what this situation is. I think that happens in a lot of marriages. Um, but yeah, with this, it's just the whole, you know, it's just it's just heartbreaking because they just wanted such different things out of one yeah. another. It's like they they have good chemistry but no compatibility. Yeah. And that's a, that's a hard thing to do, especially when you're young. Yeah. Is you're just like, oh, but like I really like this person. I'm like, but think about your day-to-day life. Just like – are your schedules similar? Do you like similar things? You don't have to like the same thing. Yeah. But like, do you guys like both like to go to the movies or like, do you guys like video games? Like, you know. But this was also. Do you have to be codependent on each other? You know, that's another mistake. They're, yeah. You're either gone too much. And she's like, she's like, I don't want to be alone because I've like made the evil inside myself and she doesn't want to be alone, but she also doesn't, can't look at her husband, but it's because she's afraid of, that he'll hate what she's become. Yeah. And it's guilt too. Yeah. I think there's so much guilt there. But once again, this is also filmed in the early eighties, which is the eighties, but they're just coming out of the seventies. And so there is these conversations of, like you said, women working outside the house mm-hmm. and not just being 
um, the providers for their children. Oh, okay. A couple of questions. Did this movie popularize tentacle porn? No, I think that's always been a thing, personally. Yeah. I was telling you, I was like, I always think of the uh, dreams of the fisherman's wife, and I'm like, that's like a erotic woodcut from the 1600s. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, so I mean. Again, not king shaming, if that's your thing. Nothing at all. I just, I mean, I just did not, ex- I had never heard of it in this movie, and I was just like, I did not expect that. All right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not something I was expecting, I will say that. No, I wasn't, I was not expecting it. Do you think the... That the relationship was always abusive, or do you think this was a 180 turn in their relationship? I think there was probably hints of it. It was just, like, this was the full-blown, like, it all came out. Like, there was probably always some snide remarks, or maybe some things, like, maybe if she turned to leave, he grabbed her too hard. But I don't think it was this I don't think he ever hit her until he slapped her that first time. Yeah. She seemed surprised. He seemed surprised. Yeah. Do you think that the creature is real, or is it a shared hallucination between Anna and Mark? I think in this reality, the creature was real. Okay. What about you? I think it has to be real, right? But then also, why does it not get shot when she and and Mark get shot up? Is it just invincible? Maybe it's still, like, forming. So maybe it, like, absorbed. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. That's very interesting. I didn't think about that. I didn't think that. Like, I was like, well, then why is he okay? Yeah. Also, was it just me or was the girl that he gave the gun to and said shoot them? Didn't she look a lot like the ballerina girl? And I don't think it's the same actress. No, but yeah, they do. It's just like, I think they have that, like, blonde hair pulled back. It was funny. Do you think it's a misogynistic film? I don't. And the reason, the only reason I don't is because I think he had that very, uh, he was able to look back at himself with that mirror like and that's i think that's why anna does have the monster lover it's like okay willing to admit that he wasn't there that he wasn't able to always satisfy her needs by not being there but not just saying by not being a father to bob but also not being able to be there sexually for her or as a Mm -hmm. companion or for whatever reason there's definitely that mirror he's holding back to himself yeah yeah do you think it all started when she quit her job the year before then she got bored Uh, i think it started before it probably started before. I, I don't know. We don't know how long he's been undercover, but I mean, it's probably been. But Heinrich said he's been having sex with her for a year and she quit a year before. Mm, yeah. So did Heinrich get her to quit? Because mm. Heinrich's like filming her teaching ballet class and then going crazy. Yeah. And then she quits. I don't know. I think it's like the guilt. I think it's honestly like the guilt that slowly starts caving in on her too. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. Whew. I don't know if... I I thought it was misogynistic at first, and then, like you said, like, when it comes back on himself, I was like, okay, maybe they're both just terrible people. Like, I think... Or going... People going through a terrible phase of their life. Let's say, like, eventually, if, like, they had went went other direction, and that Anna just went crazy, tried to kill everybody, he he ended up with Helen, I think that would be misogynistic. But the way that ended with both doppelgangers... I was afraid that was gonna happen. I was like, oh, is he gonna end up with Helen and just replace her? Is this gonna be a Stepford Wives thing? Yeah. But, no. Yeah, I think it ended up okay. Did you have a rating for this movie? I did, so I actually gave it an 8 out of 10. I gave it... Okay, here's the thing. I give the boldness of the movie an 8 out of 10. But because it's so hard to to recommend, I initially gave it a 6.5. Okay. But then I feel like maybe it's a 7.5. I think that's fine. To be honest, like... 
I, I really like, I know we talked about this before and I'll say it again and again. I like movies that are literary. I like movies that there's like metaphors and allegories and it's like, how can we read this? Like we're doing a film theory class. What do yeah. we think is really going on here? I love those types of movies. The thing I kept coming back to, I was like, it's a little bit too surrealist for me at points. And there's also like gaps like yeah that it's not interconnected as well that i'm like what's happening i kept asking wait, what is happening it is almost experimental in ways too because like the camera it'll be like whoa 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 like you yeah. know like and just stuff like that and i mean <laughs> i think it's well acted i think it's a smart but they're movie. yelling all the time i feel like he maybe should have restrained them just to tad yeah because it wasn't as grounded as i think it could have been yeah, I think if this movie had came out in, like, 2023 and we had applied some of the films, like, not just techniques, but just some of the film stuff that we see in more yeah. modern, like, psychological movies, I think we could have had a really grounded I just film. feel like there could have been a tension built if, like, it yeah. starts out. Because it does start out, they're very polite to each other. Yeah. But then, like, as soon as the restaurant scene hit, they're just yeah, yelling. Yeah, 20 minutes, like, they're throwing chairs. I was like, aren't you going to be, like, embarrassed yeah. out in public? Like, there's not really an awareness of public. And maybe that's what his experience was. Yeah. Breaking up with his wife. Maybe, maybe it's really autobiographical and maybe they did just scream at each other. And if that's the way the relationship was, then maybe it's good it ended. Yeah. But, um, it's better for both of them. But. I couldn't recommend it to just anybody. No. That's for sure. I, to be honest, I don't think there's really a rewatchability factor. I think we can do like what we did with Ryan and talk to him and be like, you gotta see the subway scene. Yeah. I don't see me sitting down and rewatching this film Watch again. the subway sequence. It is really interesting. Yeah. And genuinely disturbing. But I think it's probably... It does go on a little long. There's just, like... I feel like he could have edited it down. Not as much as, obviously, the American version. But, like, the part where she's, like, dancing, I think it goes on a little too long. I would have cut a little bit of that. But that's that's probably, like, the biggest thing with me is I'm just, like, there's just so much yelling up front. And I'm, like... It seems like they're very restrained at first. I feel like it probably takes a little while for them to yell at each other. Yeah. And see, I'll, I will say I actually kind of like the physicality of it, but that's because it's not something we see a lot in yeah. movies. So it's like, I feel bad for the actors because I know there had to be a lot of healing from this and it was a lot on them emotionally and physically. But it's also it's draining. It's draining just not something you see a lot in film. Like, I can't think of a movie performance recently where I'm just like, wow, there's so much physicality and yeah. throwing yourself into it. And that's a really cool and unique thing to see in a movie. Yeah. Um, I also said this earlier. I feel like the dialogue is like a little weird at some it point. Is. Like, very, very but goofy. Also, you've got someone writing. Yeah, like you in, said. In their, and not in English, and someone else is translating for that. I'm sure they had discussions of like, well, it should be like this. Well, I like, I like this word better. You know, it's hard. God is a disease. People. Yeah, God is a disease. Yeah. It's like. God bless. And they say it with a straight face, too. Yeah. So I'm like, is this David Lynch? Is this Twin Peaks? Are we trying to be melodramatic? Or are we trying to be grounded? That's what I was like, unsure. Yeah. But I do love the symbolism. And that, that there's just a little bit of a disconnect. Anyways, um, did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating for this? I did. It's not my favorite. There's a lot of things I kept trying to think of. So like, I was like, oh, electric knives. And then I was like, oh, you for unbuttoned shirts. But I had a hard time coming up. So I ended <laughs> up like doing D for divorce. Depressed mothers and doppelanger school teachers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that one. I I had two. I had rated 
T for tension, tentacles, and the threat of mutually assured destruction. I like that. One of the things I I, I, I had a rated T for tentacles but couldn't find anything else, so I like the T. Thank you. You're I also welcome. had S for subway breakdowns and Soviet spies. Yeah. I think T is good. Okay, we'll yeah. go with T. Rated T. Okay, so I, in a few weeks, am going to be in... A show I'm going to be in production of The Vagina Monologue, speaking of sexual monsters. Um, <laughs> but because of that, I'll be in dress rehearsals one week. So we'll have an old episode in between next week's sidetrack and then the next full episode, just so you know. So it'll be like actually a couple weeks from next week, longer than usual. But it's Brit's pick yes. for our next movie. Yes, so I ended up going with a more recent film. I think you may was it actually in like January this year or late last year? That it was late last year. Yeah, but so, it came. I think it came out like mm, fall. Yeah, I say it's either, it's like a new release. Like it's definitely within the last six months that this movie has come out. And so you know we love Michael Monroe from It Follows, and she's the mm-hmm. star of this movie. So we're doing Watcher. Oh, and the guest. Oh, and the guest. That's right. And the guest. It's our third Micah Monroe movie. It's our third. I Wait, love her. no. Wasn't she also in... Was she in... Never mind. For some reason, I thought she was in something else that we did. Were you thinking of The Lodge for a minute with Riley Kilo? No. Yeah. I was thinking of a different one. Because they both have a similar look to me in that movie. Um, I can see that. Yeah. But um, Watcher is... I'm excited to talk about it. It's a very clean 96 minutes. Uh, it's yeah. streaming on Shudder and Hulu. I, I actually watched it last week, mm. so I will not talk about it yeah. on sidetrack. So we can. Um, I will say, please, 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 don't read anything about this movie that will spoil it for you. Yeah, because that was the best part. As I didn't really know anything about the film going in, and I really liked it. I would say at least June third of twenty twenty two, but I don't think it was streaming until the that's fall. maybe what it was and i think it had a very small release but yeah and then we'll be doing our annual celebration or anniversary episode Yay. and we've got hopefully some special things happening yeah fingers, for that. Crossed. fingers crossed if things work out if not it'll still be fun yeah but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see um but yeah i guess good night stay safe stick up for your friends Especially your friends, if they are, what did I say, uh, ovary holders or LGBTQ+, especially our trans friends and our drag queen friends, because it's so weird. I have two friends. Hi, Flapjack. Hi, Sharon. I, you guys are great. They um, both are competing in Orlando this weekend, or this past weekend. They were both competing for different drag queen pageants, and I'm like, that is... But they're in Orlando. Yeah. But I'm like, it's so weird that Ron DeSantis wants to, like, outlaw drag and all this stuff. But, like, it's such a big thing in yeah. Florida, especially Orlando. I'm like, you fucking asshole. But just, you know, stick up for your friends. And Jinx Monsoon was just on the news talking about stuff. Ben De La Creme's been on. There's a drag defense league now that RuPaul's Drag Race was advertising that you could go support. So That's awesome. Uh, I won't be stopping doing watching drag shows anytime soon. And you shouldn't either, because it's a fun, innocent thing. As it I said last week, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire did not screw me up for life, so I don't understand how seeing a drag queen as a kid could ever screw you up for life. Yeah. But, you know, be kind to everybody. It's allergy season, so take your allergy medicine. 
Um, sometimes wear a mask outside if the pollen I'm surely getting to. Sometimes I do that, honestly, because I'm just like, hmm, I'm not sick, but I hate this fucking pollen. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, yeah, have a great week and we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We love you guys. Take care of yourselves and each other and your fur babies and your friends. Um, we just look in baby and your skin, the skin baby. <laughs> uh, we just look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, same spoo time, same spoo channel. Stay spooky y'all. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.